From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to my audio imaginarium. Wishing you all a blessed, peaceful, joyous Christmas and a healthy, prosperous New Year. Kalach Christuyana. Uh, and I want to acknowledge those of you uh, who are listening for whom this is a difficult time of year. Perhaps you recently lost someone very dear to you. Or perhaps, for whatever reason, you find yourself all alone during Christmas. Those of you not feeling well, those of you with loved ones that are facing some kind of health challenge, illness, disease, know that I am thinking of you and that you are not alone. A Christmas is a time for miracles, and I believe in Christmas miracles. I'm, I'm very blessed. I have three Christmas miracles of my very own at home, fast asleep, most likely, the mighty Aphrodite, of course, Zachary and North. If you are awake, why? <laughs> uh, and if you're, uh, if you're awake, well, uh, Merry Christmas to all of you. I always uh, say, uh, people are always saying, Christmas is for children, Christmas is for children. And I always say, uh, it's not really. It's about a child, one very special child, uh, born in Bethlehem under a wonderful star over 2,000 years ago. Having said that, however, uh, I do want to mention a certain child who I'm sure is very excited about Christmas this year. Uh, What child isn't? Uh, But young Callum, Young Calum, or Callum, uh, who is three, I believe, uh, is battling cancer. And beyond Christmas, he's, steer, uh, he's staring at a round of intracranial radiation, or intracranial radiation, I should say. Uh, and his mom and dad are big fans of the show, and I just want them to know uh, that I'm thinking of them and Calum. Uh, And because I believe in Christmas miracles, I'll ask you all to keep Calum and his family from uh, Denver in your prayers this Christmas. If you go to my uh, Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, I've got a couple of posts there about young Calum, and there's a picture of the little guy, beautiful little boy. Uh, Sometimes it helps to have a picture uh, when you're saying a prayer for someone. So uh, please, uh, keep young Calum in your hearts and in your prayers this Christmas. And also, uh, just a a quick shout-out to my nephew Michael, if you're listening. You're in my prayers, too. Merry Christmas. Michael, uh, remember, that's a very powerful name you have. It is the highest of the heavenly angels. And I believe he's watching over you right about now. Uh, I mentioned Jesus. It is the season, and it is the reason, rather, for the season. But most of us uh, probably understand that Jesus probably wasn't born on December 25th. So if he wasn't born on the 25th of December, when was it, and does it matter? Uh, That's where we're going over the next uh, 20 minutes or so. We're going to begin by opening up a mystery for this season. When was Jesus really born? Uh, And then in the second half of the hour, we're going to talk about the mystery of the Shemitah. We've discussed this before, but we'll get some updates. Uh, The continuing signs and manifestations of the Shemitah uh, that may be warning uh, warning us of a coming calamity and judgment. Jonathan Kahn is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Harbinger. And he's just come out with his new book, The Mystery of the Shemitah, the 3,000-year-old mystery that holds the secrets of America's future, the world's future, and your future. 
It's immediately become a national and New York Times bestseller, and it's qu- uh, causing quite a stir around the world. Jonathan leads the Jerusalem Center Beth Israel in Wayne, New Jersey, and he's president of Hope of the World, an outreach to people throughout the world. He's also known for uncovering the deep mysteries of the Bible and has 2,000 teachings and messages uncovering the mysteries available at Hope of the World. Jonathan Kahn, how are you? Great, Richard. <laughs> Great to talk to you. Uh, always a pleasure to have you. Now, listen, I, 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 I somewhat hesitate. I don't know. Uh, may I wish you a Merry Christmas? How do you feel about How do you feel about Christmas? Sure. I mean, well, I feel great about the birth of the Messiah. Sure. You know, so uh, whenever the time is, any time one can celebrate it. So, yeah, you know, we'll talk about when when it when we believe it happened. But and listen, it's you can celebrate you can celebrate the birth of Messiah, the coming into the world of the light, anytime. So wonderful. Yeah. Then a very merry Christmas yeah. to you. So, you. so Jesus was not born on December twenty fifth. I think most of us sort of understand that. But if not December twenty fifth, then when? Yeah, well, the first thing is, you know, the, the first clue we have with this is the, is the, is the season. I mean, we, well, the reason why he would not have been born on December 25th is because, you know, if you go to Israel today, uh, just as it was then, it is cold, it is, it is the coldest season, it is the winter, it is, it is rainy or snowing at times. Right. It's daunting. Uh, forget about a pregnant woman traveling. I mean, even traveling under the best circumstances, you know. Um, and then the idea of the shepherds being out, I mean, they're, the one season they're definitely not going to be out. I mean, if any, is going to be winter out in their fields. So, and on top of that, the idea of the census, you know, the Romans uh, have planned the census to get money, you know, so the, the worst possible season to do this, they would just never do it in the winter. In fact, Jesus at one point when he's speaking about the end times, he says, he says, pray your flight not be in the winter, because it just, you just, just could not travel then. So, right, right. Here the winter is ruled out, you know. But then, what do we have left? You know, you have, uh, the autumn is also ruled out because, because nine months before the nativity, Mary conceives and she makes a journey down across Israel to see her cousin Elizabeth, who right. is pregnant with, which, who, the man who will be John the Baptist. That's right. So that, but that puts that in the winter. That puts another, you get another problem because, you know, again, then we have a, a journey which would be under the best circumstances, very hard for a young woman, but across Israel, but forget it on wintertime. So that's, that leaves us with the summer and the spring. And so we got, we have the summer, um, and the summer, you know, you could travel, but uh, on the other hand, it is the working season. Um, the uh, well, as far as the, it's a season of the harvest. It's a season of when when everybody's in the field. Not the time you, the Romans would have a census because they're just not going to leave the field. Number one, and the other mystery in in with Jesus uh, or Yeshua is that all the greatest uh, events of the New Testament or the or the seminal events. They all happen on Hebrew Holy Days. You know, he, uh, he comes into Palm, Palm Sunday. He comes into Israel. Well, that, well, Jerusalem, that is uh, Nisan 10. That's the first Hebrew Holy Day that God gave the Jewish people. Then he dies on Passover, Nisan 1415. That's the other Jewish holiday. Then he rises on the, on uh, Nisan 16, which is the Hebrew feast of first fruits as the first fruit. And then you have Pentecost. Even Pentecost is a Hebrew Holy Day called Shavuot. So every single thing, really, all the biggest events happen on the Hebrew holidays. So we would expect, you know, if his death does, that there'd be something significant about the birth linked to some Hebrew 
day, some special day. Well, the problem with the summer is you don't have any on top of it. So that kind of leaves us to one more season to start with. And what you got is you, the only thing left is the spring. Now, there's, you have, with spring, all the, all the uh, clues really fall into place because one, it would, nine months before the spring would be summer, you could travel. A time when a pregnant woman could be outside giving birth with her husband, yes, the spring works. And a time when shepherds are with their flock. In fact, you know, the times that shepherds are out in the field at night in Israel would be one season of the year, which is the season when the lambs are born. And that the lambing season, well, the lambs are born in the spring. That's really the only time they would be out in the field watching for the birth of lambs. And, you know, kind of... You know, makes sense even, you know, theologically because, you know, Jesus comes in as the Lamb of God. Right, right. He is born in Bethlehem, the place of the lambs, where actually the temple lamb sacrifices were raised, particularly in Bethlehem. He's greeted by shepherds who are watching, who are the ones who greet the births of lambs. So, you know, the, the, it really narrows it down to March, or, well, actually, February at the earliest, then March, April, May, maybe, but March and April are the, are the key parts of that. And that, that brings us, that narrows it down even more to a, to a particular month in Israel, which is called Nisan. Now, Nisan literally means the beginning. I mean, so it's a, it's the month of the beginning. So it's a great, you know, here the birth, you know, it's going to be the beginning. It's the beginning of the age. Well, so it's the perfect time. And note also, there's a, there's Hebrew traditions that, that the great sages of Israel are born in Nisan and die in Nisan. And we know that Messiah, or Jesus, died in Nisan, and he dies as the Passover lamb. Well, one of the things that it's said about the Passover lamb is the Passover lamb is actually, you know, the actual lamb is a year old. It says one, a year old male without blemish. Well, that means that, that if the Passover lamb dies in Nisan and he's a, a one years old of the lamb itself, that means he has to be born in Nisan. I mean, it just makes right, no, right, it, it, in order to be a year old, right? Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, is there any? You know, is there any date on the Hebrew calendar that would be special because everything, you know, would be, be have some significance that would be linked to this and that it kind of has to fall in the right place? Because the, the other thing is, the prophetic mystery is that not only does Jesus, you know, fulfill all these things on the Hebrew holidays, but he does so in the order that they appear. In other words, you know, uh, Nisan 10 is first. So that, that's the day actually they brought the lamb to the, to Jerusalem or to their houses on Passover. Well, that's Palm Sunday. Then he goes to the death and resurrection. Everything goes in order. So, if his birth goes in order, it would have to be before, you know, Passover. It would have to be sometime in Nisan before that. Well, is there any date that's significant? Well, there is one date. And that one date is the date, it's Nisan 1. And the reason why that's significant is Nisan 1 is the true beginning of the sacred year. It's the real Jewish New Year. And we, we have an idea, you know, it said that uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, is the New Year. No, it's not. Biblically, there's only one. God says this is the beginning. So what, first of all, what more perfect Hebrew it says holy day that he'd be born on would be the beginning it's the beginning of the beginning plus the other the other let me just get you to hold on to that jonathan because yeah. we'll uh, we'll take a time out sure. we'll come back and delve into mm-hmm. uh, when was christ born unraveling a mystery of biblical proportions quite literally jonathan khan is with us the author of the harbinger and the mystery of the shemitah otis redding's version of white christmas and it's a good one takes us out here on the conspiracy show stay with us Three top. Thank you. 
Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. I love Otis Redding's version of White Christmas so much, I thought we'd play it twice, once going out of the break and coming back in. Uh, we were actually uh, also doing our our, uh, our hangout on air tonight, our HOA, as the kids call it, our hangout on air. And if you want to uh, watch the program as well as listen to it, uh, go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. While you're there, you can say hi and follow me. But on the Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, it's up near the top. And there's a link there for the HOA. Just click on that link, it's, uh, and then you'll be able to stream it live on YouTube and uh, join us here in studio. Jonathan Kahn is with us, uh, president of Hope of the World uh, Ministries and uh, the author of best-selling author of The Harbinger and Mystery of the Shemitah. Right now we're delving into the mystery of Christ's birth. When was he born? And not in December. Uh, Jonathan, you, you've sort of narrowed it down according to the, the clues that are laid out in the Bible mm-hmm. as, uh, well, it corresponds to really... Uh, Easter or Passover? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. There, there's one. There's this one day on the Hebrew calendar. Uh, again, Nisan one. The very. It's really the New Year's Day. And the, the interesting thing about Messiah's birth is that it has this this quality or this this effect that it changes history. It changes the calendar. I mean, this is where we get. You know, we get our calendar gets divided by his birth. You know, and it, it's interesting that you know there's this one day on the sacred calendar of God that also does that same thing, divides the calendar, and that's Nisan 1. It starts the new year. Right. And, that, and it's interesting that, you know, one, one of the things that happened with the early church is, that, unfortunately, is they divorced the roots, you know, the Jewish roots, and it, and it kind of Romanized it. So they took the, you know, the Jewish context and put it in a Roman context. Well, interesting, because today, you know, we tell, it's, they, they, they chose December 25th, which is linked to New Year's, which, again, in the, in the Roman calendar, it has the same quality as in the, in the Hebrew calendar, it would be Nisan 1. That's the New Year day. But then there's even more. I mean, this is, your, you know, the, the show's called The Conspiracy Show. Well, you know, there's possibly a conspiracy here, too, because there, there's a, in the ancient church records, the church fathers, there's a, one church father called Hippolytus, and he's often cited as the one who came up with December 25th. Saturnalia. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly, Richard. I mean, that, of course, it was a, a pagan thing, and they appropriated it, but then they came up with, you know, justification for it. Yeah, the, church, the early church did that a lot. I mean, it made sense to, in a certain extent, if you, you yeah. want to co-op that, bring these new people into the fold, you take over their pagan holiday, and exactly. voila. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but it's not good history, you know, but it's exactly so. And so, the thing is that they say that he's the one who had the earliest uh, sighting of December 25th, but actually... What they, they found in, in the, the, the work that he has, it seems like his work has been doctored up. And from, there's a, a work from the third century or two hundreds and be called De Pashka Computis, which is, it, which is universally seen as based on the lost work of Hippolytus. And it says, in it, Hippolytus says that Messiah is born in the springtime, linked to the Hebrew month of Nissan, which is the same thing again, Nissan one. Right. And then in the Lateran Museum in Rome, you know, there's an ancient statue of Hippolytus, which was they say they think it was probably probably done soon after his death. And on it, it says in Latin, it says Genesis Jesus Christus, or the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Right. And carved into the statue is the time which correlates with the spring, the Hebrew month of Nisan. So we don't know if this has been suppressed or what, but it's even there in the early church uh, church uh, documents. But here's, now here's another thing, I mean, and this is really cool, and, and there's a lot. I mean, there are things, we won't have time, but things from the Dead Sea Scrolls and so much of but here's something right here. 
that, you know, one of the things in, in the Gospel of John, it says, in, it says, the Word was with God in the beginning, the Word was God. Then it says, the Word became flesh mm-hmm. and dwelt among us. Well, that's the Incarnation. So, right. Now, the, the, or some translations say the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Well, the Greek word there for dwelt or tabernacle is the word, is the word skenoro. Now, now, that's the same word that's used in the New Testament to speak of the tabernacle. And now, now in other words, the incarnation of, the, of Jesus in the New Testament is linked to the tabernacle. And the word became flesh and set up a tabernacle, or set up a tent. In other words, when he took a body, he's like putting up a, he's setting up a tent. It's temporary, he comes into the tent. Right, well, right. The, the amazing thing is, in the Old Testament, there is the, the beginning of this, where it is actually the, the origin of this, where it is a picture, it's the only picture in the Bible that has this, where, where it says God actually set up a tent in the wilderness that was called the tabernacle. And that tabernacle, when you put it into Greek, becomes that same word that's linked to when it says the word became flesh, or talking about the incarnation. So, what do we know about the tabernacle? Could it have a clue when God set up a tabernacle among his people in the wilderness, it was called the tent of meeting, where the glory of God actually dwelt with Israel in this tent, could it have a clue? Well, the amazing thing is, it does. I mean, an amazing so. First of all, the, the tabernacle was, was built, it took nine months to build it, which is the same, the same period of time of a human pregnancy, number one. That, you have that right there. And it begins right at Mount Sinai when, you know, when, when Israel, in a sense, enters a covenant with God, which right. is a marriage. So now you have, you have this, this nine months coming, coming together of this tabernacle. And remember, this is, the, this is the key in John of the Incarnation. Well, when was it finished? Well, the Bible gives the exact date of when it was finished, which would correspond to the birth, when this thing is the conception, from conception at Sinai to the finishing of the tabernacle of God. Well, it gives the, the date. Now, what is the date? The answer is, you know, is in Exodus 40 and verse 1 and 2. It says, you shall raise up the tabernacle of the congregation you will put in there the ark that's in it, that's where the presence of god was right. and here it says in hebrew the yom hakodesh harishon be'echad lakodesh translation you will do this in the first month of the year on the first day of that month nisan. what is the what is the first month it's nisan what is the first day nisan 1 wow. so it's really it's even in there the wow. tabernacle, the picture that the Bible gives of God tabernacling on earth is the, gives the exact date as Nisan 1. And, you know, it's amazing because not only that, and we can't go into all the detail now, but, but even the priestly calendar and the Dead Sea Scrolls point to the same date of Nisan 1. There's even, even astronomy, the appearance, you know, we talk about what would have happened in the East that the Magi, who were astronom- astrologers or astronomers back then, that's what it was. They were Persian, right? They were yeah, Zoroastrians. Persian, the Persian Zoroastrian cast of right. the priests who studied the stars all the time. You know, back then you didn't really have astronomers, they were all astrologers because they looked for signs in the stars. But, right. but they, you know, they were looking at it. Well, what would have caused them, and there's a whole thing we can go to, you know, the God willing in no time, but, but there was an, the occurrence where all these things line up in the East that they would have linked to Israel, and, it, and it's linked to, you know, what they have certain parts of certain planets they believe were linked to Israel, certain, certain things meant a king or a star, 
And so, put it all together, it, the event happens on Nissan 1, <laughs> you, know, you know, on 6 BC, Nissan 1. And by the way, you know, you know, we think, why we say, well, that's kind of strange, we're talking about 6 BC. Well, the thing is, we know the calendar's wrong on that. Jesus you know, was yes. not born in the year 1. Because Herod the Great was dead by uh, the year 1. Yeah, yeah, he was dead, exactly. He was dead in 4 BC, and it says that, we know that from Josephus, and it says in the same, in that same thing, it says that Herod ordered the, the death of all the children in Bethlehem who were according to the, the appearance of the star, what the Magi told him, and so he, he ordered the death of all of them two years old and up. So he got 4 BC, and two years old and up, well, what does that mean? Well, it goes back to 6 BC. Well, when you put all these things together, not only the priestly calendar, um, also the, again, this, this astron- astronomical calendar, all these things point to Nissan, not, not only the year, not only the year, but Nissan won the exact date. I mean, you know, there, and, and really there is That's so remarkable. much to this and pointing to it. I'll, I'll just, I'll just give a, a one little other mystery here with that, and that is, there, it, I call it uh, the mystery of the Goel. And in the Bible, this mystery is this. There's a law that God gave to Israel that if a, a, a mother, you know, uh, you know, or actually a wife cannot bear children and her husband dies, then the, the, the nearest relative, could be a brother, can redeem, in a sense, the line of the brother by marrying the widow and raising up children. And so that, the person is called the Goel, which means the redeemer, but specifically a redeemer who intervenes in the line. Now, the interesting thing is, in the Bible, there's this mystery about the Goel, and that is that you keep seeing this intervening or intervention into one particular line or, li- or lineage in Israel, and that's the line of Judah. In the time of Judah, the very first, the one who started the line, you have this, this, this Goel redemption takes place, there's an intervention. Later on, in the book of Ruth, Ruth, Boaz, this famous story of Boaz and Ruth, he marries Ruth, she's the widow, and becomes the Goel of Ruth, and he's also the line of Judah, and by the way, their baby is born in Bethlehem. It's like a growing mystery. Well, the final mystery of the Goel is that God himself is going to become the Goel, and he's going to intervene in the line of man, and it's going to be in the line of Judah, same line. It's going to be in Israel. He's going to come upon them, and, and come upon Mary, and so you have this this gigantic Goel redemption, like God marrying earth and marrying us and becoming one with us, you know, and from this is born Jesus or Yeshua in Bethlehem. Well, the time that Ruth would have conceived, when you look at the book of Ruth, when this Goel redemption would have taken place would lead the birth of her son to the time of Nisan. In other words, the time of this Goel redemption is, is about is nine months before Nisan, which is when it would have happened to Mary for it to be Nisan 1. So this is just another, another, you know, every single piece lines up to this exact time. And you can even trace it out by, you know, one thing we know is that we know that, the, that John the Baptist was born six months before Jesus, and we know that his father was in the temple as a priest um, under a certain, you know, receiving this revelation. Well, we know there's actually an ancient priestly calendar that we can tell when this would have happened. And there's only, there's only two times of the year he could have been in that temple, and one of those times leads the birth of Messiah being, again, Nissan 1.
wow, this is pretty well, this seems like it's nailed shut. I mean, there, how is this being received? How, when you deliver this message to uh, to pastors and parishioners and so forth, how did, is there resistance to this? I mean, what's, I mean, what's the big deal? Why can't we just acknowledge that Jesus was born April uh, or Nisan 1, uh, 6 B.C.? Well, it's, it's you know, I mean, <laughs> I think mo- the, the, the reaction, Richard, mostly is, wow, you know, like, wow. And, like, I knew most people, as you said at the beginning, know it cannot be December 25th. And so, you know, there's very there's only certain times it could be. And even, mo- even really, most historians will say, you know, just, just based on the, the one thing about the lamb, the lambing season and the shepherds, right away it's got to be around that time. But most people are pretty, you know, like, whoa, you know, hey, yeah, you know. And, and really, listen, let me look at it. Look at the time. It's the time of the beginning. What, springtime. What a perfect, this is the time of new beginnings. It's the beginning of the beginning. It's even in Hebrew, God called the month the beginning. I mean, so, I mean, it's kind of like, in some ways, pretty obvious, you know. But most people, I think, unless you're so committed to December 25th, or you're so committed, you know, to giving gifts, and, you know, and that, uh, it's really, you know, hey, what a cool thing. You know, I mean, because it, it, it works. It fits. And God is perfect. I mean, he, he doesn't do anything sloppy, you know. No, I mean, the <laughs> symmetry, the symmetry in the biblical narrative is astounding, despite the fact that we're talking about, what, 66 books written over, you yeah. know, 3,000 years or whatever it is. I mean, it just, it just fits together like a glove. Oh, a yeah. Hand and, in a glove. What, listen, I was originally an atheist. And so, you know, what, what changed me is exactly what you're saying is there was just nothing, nothing like the Bible, no book with the consistency, with the authority, and with prophecy that was coming true, that is coming true. I mean, that's what got me in the whole thing. God is so perfect, and, you know, every every moment of his life, or every big event, happens according to the Hebrew prophetic calendar. In fact, we haven't gone into it, but the other part of that mystery that is that God has set up the whole age according to the Hebrew calendar, and so the beginning of the Hebrew calendar is the, is the springtime, and that's when the first coming, and the, all these things take place. But... The, the other part of the Hebrew calendar is the autumn when you have the Feast of Trumpets and you have all these, all these feasts that all speak about the end times. And that's why, you know, there are many believers, and I believe they're absolutely right, and that, that, that the second coming is geared to the autumn feast, trumpets, the day of the Lord, and tabernacles. So there's a whole, a whole mystery that would begin the first day of that Hebrew calendar is the Psalm 1. Uh, we don't have time. Have we touched on the Mishkan clue? Well, the Mishkan, <laughs> You know, my, I didn't say what it was. The, the tabernacle is the called uh, in Hebrew the Mishkan. That's the Mishkan clue. So the, uh. the Mishkan, I mean, in that, and by the way, I already, you know, saw all these things like narrowing down and everything falling into Nissan 1, and I had no idea at that moment that, that that was already laid out by the tabernacle, which is the absolute uh, foreshadow of the incarnation. It's the strongest one, and it actually gives a date. I didn't even know that when everything else led to it. So that was almost like icing on the cake. Jonathan? There. This is fascinating. So, uh, Jesus' birthday, Nissan 1, again, around Easter time. Uh, listen, when we come back, Jonathan, you'll uh, hold on, stay with us, and uh, we want to get an update on a story that you and I talked about uh, several months ago, and that is the, the mystery of the Shemitah, which is, of course, the subject of another one of your runaway bestseller hits. The mystery of the Shemitah, the 3,000-year-old mystery that holds the secret of America's future, the world's future, and your future. And we'll get to that with Jonathan Kahn right here. On The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Jesus, I, 
passcodes, personal identification numbers, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's more numbers. 416-360-0740. Welcome back. That's uh, Brian Wilson of uh, the Beach Boys fame and his... A uh, rather remarkable version of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's from an album from 2005 called What I Really Want for Christmas. Brian Wilson, a remarkable arranger. One of the greatest, I think, of the 20th century. Jonathan Kahn is with us, and uh, he is unraveling Bible mysteries. That's what he does best. He, the author of The Harbinger and The Mystery of the Shemitah. We were talking about Christ's birth. We're going to get into the Shemitah. But for those interested in, in finding out more about the mystery of when uh, the Messiah was really born on DVD or CD, how can they do that, Jonathan? There's one called, a teacher called the the Mishkan Clue, and um, there's actually even more than we could, we could get into. But they can they can go to hopeoftheworld.org. That's our website has all that and has again about probably 2,000 teachings. That these are some of them. Uh, they could just look for that, the Mishkan Clue, or, or anything called AD one, two, three, or four. And then also on World Net Daily, they also have the uh, something called the Mishkan Clue, and again in DVD and CD. So either either World Net Daily or our site, if they want to get in touch, hopeoftheworld.org. All right, Jonathan, the last time you were on, we talked about your new book, The Mystery of the Shemitah, and uh, there are some updates. It's constantly updating. But first of all, for those who missed that show uh, and not familiar with the Shemitah, The Mystery of the Shemitah, what is it in a nutshell? The Mystery of the Shemitah is a 3,000-year-old mystery that actually literally amazingly lies behind what's happening now. Um, I would say, you know, it, it, it's birthed out of the harbinger, and yet it's become so big. It goes back to the time of Moses, and yet it actually lies behind the rise and fall of the stock market, the rise and fall of the economy, um, the, the actually literally the, the ascending of nations, the falling of nations, what the, the rise of America, what may be the fall of America, um, even end time prophecy is is so uh, the key in so many cases is the shemitah um, and and it's so specific that it actually you know this is what blew me away at the beginning you know is that it actually it actually gives the dates of events you know contemporary events things that have happened in, that have changed our lives that have happened down to the day the, the I mean the date the day the hour the second I mean it's it's quite specific it's quite amazing. And we are in the Shemitah now. So th- that's the quick nutshell. And that, that's what led me to, you know, I mean, it begins with the Harbinger, but there was so much in it that, and because we're approaching and people are asking, that's why I, I wrote the mystery of the Shemitah. I didn't plan on doing that originally. And yet as I started, so much, there was so much more. I knew it was big. I didn't realize how big it was. You know, when I started, it was just so big that, I mean, it, you know, it, it blew me away. And when I get, when I get blown away, I know there's, you know, there's something good going on. Well, I'll tell you someone else who's, who's uh, blown away. You've really captured the attention of, of Glenn Beck, uh, from, from Fox. Uh, he, I mean, he's all over this. I mean, he's talking about the mystery of the Shemitah, uh, to anyone who'll listen. I mean, you really, yeah. Captured his imagination. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I first, you know, I was on Glenn Beck a while back, and I when it was with the Harbinger, and, and so I mentioned it, but he didn't he didn't catch it then. And then 
I've heard, I've been getting, you know, continual reports that he, he's been talking about it continuously, um, and wants to, he, he wants me actually to, to do a whole program on it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, listen again, I mean, you, you know, I think maybe Richard, one of the reasons why the Lord, he says he uses the foolish things to confound the wise, and, you know, here, the unlikely things. Well, I was an atheist, so I need things like heavy, you know, things to do it, um, to make me, so I, so when, you know, when he blows, you know, when I'm blown away, that's how the harbinger started, and that's how this started. But it's re, it's, it's, it's exact. I mean, you know, it, for, for so many years, you know, financial analysts have been, like, they've been mystified. Why do all these, these great crashes happen on this one time of the year? Well, the answer is in the Bible, because this is the exact time that God ordained in the Bible for financial, literally, wipeout. And for those who don't know, the, the, in a nutshell, the Shemitah is, it means it's the Sabbath year. You know, what happened is just there was a, there was a Sabbath day. Every seventh day was a Sabbath day. Every seventh year is the Sabbath year. And basically what it meant was that for an entire year, there was no sowing, no reaping, no working on the land. The land rests. And on the, no buying or selling of the fruits of the land. The last day, something quite extraordinary happens. All credit is wiped out. All, all debts are wiped out. The financial accounts of the nation are literally wiped clean. That day is called Elul 29, or the 29th day of the Hebrew month, Elul. That's the wipeout day. Well, the amazing thing is that this mystery is still in effect. And, you know, what happened is when Israel turned away from God, the, the Shemitah, instead of being a blessing, turns into a sign of judgment on a nation or a civilization that has turned away from God, is driving him out of its life, and it comes back like with a vengeance, literally to strike the financial realm of the nation, it strikes the economic realm, and it even can strike the existence of the nation itself. So one of the things that I've seen, and this is, you know, it started with the Harbinger, but then what happened was, you know, it, it, it's, I saw that it not only, it didn't begin with 9-11, this thing has been happening. This mystery has been affecting our lives from the, the moment we were born. And just to give an example, we won't... Let me, let me get you to hold on to that. We'll, yeah, we'll give sure. that example when we come back. Jonathan Kahn is with us. The mystery of the Shemitah right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Hang around for a while, won't you? Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. That's the uh, the Brian Seltzer Orchestra and Boogie Woogie Santa. Uh, Jonathan Kahn is with us, Hope of the World Ministries, and we're talking about the mystery of the Shemitah, uh, continuing signs uh, that, uh, well, we are headed into some pretty rough waters. And um, now, you mentioned the, the rise and the fall of the stock market in our economy. Uh, now, how, let, let's draw some parallels. Let's go back to, for example, uh, you know, 2007 and the, uh, yeah. the prime, the sub, uh, sub, uh, yeah. loan, uh, uh, catastrophe. Yeah. Uh, does that time out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is that the, if you look at the, even the last, starting the last 40 years, you have five major long-term collapses of the stock market, and every single one of them happens at a seven-year cycle to the one before the one after, which is the Shemitah. That's what happens. Not only that, every single one of them happens at the in the year of the biblical Shemitah, the year appointed to wipe out every single one. 
And then when you get to the last two, it's as if this phenomenon is increasing in intensity, it's getting stronger, and I would, I would link that to America and also other nations turning away from God because it, this is how it gets stronger. But here's what happens is, in, in 2001, one of the, the last Shemitah was 2000 to 2001, and then 2007 to 2008. Uh, the, on the, the, uh, in uh, the last week of the Shemitah, in 2001, comes 9-11. Right. 9-11 causes one week later the greatest collapse in Wall Street history up to that day. That greatest collapse happens on a rule 29, the exact day appointed of the Shemitah by God to wipe out uh, the nation's account and uh, particularly to strike a civilization that is tr- driving God out of its life. On the exact day, down to the hours, is the greatest wipeout. Well, that record lasts for seven years. That, and, and then you have the final, finally it's topped in the Great Collapse, the Great Recession. Well, the greatest day of the Great Recession was September 29, 2008, comes the greatest collapse. What, and and it is, it's so great, I mean, even when, it's weird, too, because when they, they go to the stock market that morning, they ring the bell, the bell refuses to ring that day, even they take it as a sign. Greatest collapse, when does the greatest collapse take, take place? On the on El Rule 29, the exact same biblical day appointed 3,000 years before uh, to, uh, to wipe out financial accounts. So the, the two greatest collapses up to those days each happen on the exact same biblical day. They're separated, according to the mystery of the Shemitah, these crashes be separated by seven years. They're separated by seven biblical years down to the day, down to the hour, down to the second. And not only you know is it on El Rule 29, but there's only one El Rule 29 in seven years that could actually be the the actual wipeout day, and each one takes place on the one in seven year day, the actual one. This mystery, Richard, has been affecting I mean, our lives, I mean, in, in ways affected the world's financial markets, the, the economy, and even, again, we probably won't get into it, but even the rise of nation, the rise of America, the years of America begins its rise to superpower, the year of the Shemitah, it reaches its peak in the year of the Shemitah, 1945. When the Shemitah comes at certain times, it often means the shaking of nations, um, and it can mean the rise or fall of nations. Now, I'll tell you a, a, just a little bit of what, you know, what is some things that have happened since we talked, you know, and I'm not dogmatic that God has to do it, you know, and the exa- you know, God's not going to fit in our boxes, you know, and, you know, he doesn't ha- not every cycle of the Shemitah does it have to be the same thing. Um, but, but I would be aware of it. So having, giving that caveat that, you know, we're not date setting, even though there are dates in the book and uh, we can mention some dates, but the point is that it doesn't have to, but here's what happened. In the last two Shemitahs, which is again 2001 and uh, 2000, 2001, and then 2007 and 8, you, uh, when the Shemitah began, I mean, you have you had a foreshadow of what was going to happen at the end. The most dramatic thing happens at the end on that last day, that Elul 29 day. That's the last day of the Shemitah. But when it opens, the last two times there have been foreshadows at the beginning that something was coming at the end. Example: in 2007, when the Shemitah began. That same day comes the first bank collapse, uh, like a hundred-something years, happens in Great Britain. It's called Northern Rock, collapses on the day of the Shemitah, which is a foreshadow of what's at the end of the Shemitah, you have banks collapsing all over the world. 
And, and within a month of the Shemitah beginning in 2007, the stock market that had been rising for years suddenly starts turning down and then will begin to, it's gradual at first, but by the end of the Shemitah, it's the greatest collapse since the Great Depression. Not to so put too fine a point on it, uh, not to put that too point, fine a point on it, but again, you know, we're talking about these seven years, seven, seven, uh, on uh, September 29, 2008, I yes. believe the stock market fell by 777 points. Yes. Yes, on the day of sevens, the biblical day of crown that crowns the seventh year, the end of the seven-year cycle, the stock market falls on the day of the of the of the of the appointed by God to crash is the is seven 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 points. How much how much was wiped out? How much percentage? Seven percent was wiped out. How many hours? It took seven hours to wipe it out. I mean, so much. And the one before it in two thousand one, right after September eleventh. Crashes, how much is wiped out? 7%. I mean, so absolutely, absolutely. And, and there's a whole thing we can go into, we won't, but, but that if you go back from that day of that crash, you go to the, the moment of that 777 appears on Wall Street. If you go back seven years from that 777, seven, seven years and seven days and seven hours, it brings you to the day of 9-11 to the hour of the attack. But we will not go into that. But, but, um, the, the other thing is that, that, you know, we are now in the next one. It just began. The, the major part is going to be this coming year, 2015. So has there been any foreshadow at the beginning of what can, may, possibly take place as we head towards the end? Well, the interesting thing is, you know, the, the, the month, or actually the week of September 23rd to the 26th, the, from Monday to Friday, on that week, all of a sudden, Wall Street gets unhinged. It starts, it starts reeling. I mean, people start talking about, is this another, another crash from, that happened in 2007? But it bounced back. Yeah, it's back, it's back, but it, with, with, with the same thing happened in 2007, what happened is you had a foreshadow right away, and then you had, it didn't look like something was going to happen, and then it happened at the end. So, could there have been a foreshadow? Well, that, that reeling of the stock market, it, it went about for three weeks, began, it was destabilized, began the week that the Shemitah began, and it also, it also, the greatest crash day was the day of the Shemitah, on that thing. Now another, another kind of mystery in the book, it's called the mystery of the towers, is that when towers, when, when a nation puts up these, the highest towers on earth, that's gen- often linked to the rise of that nation, or it can be linked when, when a tower falls, can be linked to the fall of a nation. The well, hubris, well, right. Yeah, well, when America, you know, America put up the highest tower on earth for the first time, and it was, it was the first great skyscraper in the world. For the first time, the highest secular building was not in Europe, but was in America. It was 1871, 1870. The next year, America becomes the greatest economic power on earth. The next year, the tower marks the beginning of the Gilded Age of America. So it marks the rise of America. Well, America has been putting up the highest towers ever since. And, and so ever since, until just before 9-11. All of a sudden, America is surpassed by Asia. And then comes 9-11 when America's tower, representing, you know, the, the preeminence, the glory of America, crashes. Well, I've been warning, you know, for a, uh, quite a while with the Harbinger and with now with the Shemitah, but before that, the Harbinger, that one of the first signs that America doesn't get right, get back with God, one of the warnings of the Harbinger and the warning of the Shemitah is that its crown as the head of nations will be removed. And I've said it for a long time. Well, Here's something. Within the first month of the Shemitah, that is September, October, first month of that Shemitah, America, the, the age of America from 1871, the age of America being the strongest economic 
power on Earth has come to an end. They were overtaken by China, that's right. That's right, and it happened just as the, as the Shemitah began, and, and it's the same nation that is now putting up higher towers than America, by the way. But, and, and that happened that the first week of the Shemitah, America was surpassed by Russia in its nuclear uh, capability in its military. So you got the military, you have economic, and you have, I mean, the crown that America has worn. This is the beginning of the end of the American age as we know it. And remember, remember Richard, I, said, I showed this once again, that the Shemitah, it literally in Hebrew, it, 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 people take it as meaning the release, and it is the release. But Hebrew, it also means the collapse or the fall or the shaking. And it, mean, it literally can speak also of, it means to let collapse. And on each of the, these days of the Shemitah, the last two, you literally had the letting collapse of America's economic, you know, power. But now you're watching the literal, the, the, the American age begin to collapse. Now, it begins with the Shemitah, but then, then on top of that, you have something else on top of that, that on the actual day of the Shemitah, I, I said you had the greatest crash of that, of that, that began this teetering of Wall Street for about three weeks. But then, you also had you also had an earthquake on that day over over six of the Richter scale on the day of the Shemitah. Could that be a portion? And you, by the way, you know when we we talk about Ebola and this you know the plague and pestilence, the first sign of Ebola, and again we're just talking about foreshadows, happened on the day of the Shemitah. All this happened on the first day of the Shemitah. Every single one of them happened that same day. And the other thing is that the harbingers linked to this are continuing and continuing. One of the things is I've talked about is the tower, you know, because we mentioned that. And, you know, the, the tower, the World Trade Center, was, was conceived in the year of the Shemitah. It was begun, to, it's construction in the year of the Shemitah. It took seven years. The seven years of the Shemitah was finished. The 1973 year of the Shemitah was destroyed in the year of the Shemitah. Well, this new tower was conceived in the year of the Shemitah, and it looks like it's going to be finished. It hasn't been dedicated yet. They opened its doors. It hasn't been dedicated in the year of the Shemitah. And I would keep my eyes on that tower. Number one, it's one of the four, it's one of the nine harbingers in the in the harbinger, and there's been so much attached to that, linked to this warning of judgment. It's not a good sign. You know, the president of the United States actually inscribed on that tower uh, the, the paraphrase of Isaiah 9:10, which is the pronouncement of judgment on the nation. That's the harbinger scripture. It's on the top floor of that tower. And that tower, I don't know if you heard it, just about yes. it was a week ago or two weeks ago, the story came out that that, that tower is, is now overrun with rats. Not a good sign. You know, it happened ju just, just as that, that thing there. But the, the, the other thing is that, you know, the, the Shemitah is, you know, it, it always leads to the finale. Now, when is the finale going to take place? And again, I'm not, I'm not saying it has to happen, but your, your listeners should know. That the, the day of, of wipeout comes, it's a rule 29 is September 13th of 2015. And on that day, you know, one of the signs in the Bible of, of judgment, I'm not saying every time, but one of the signs is that of the darkening of the sun. It's, you can see it in the prophets. Well, the day of September 13th will also be the darkening of the sun will be a solar eclipse. And the last time there was a solar eclipse on a Rule 29, the day of the Shemitah, the wipeout day, that you had the greatest, it led into the greatest collapse in Wall Street history percentage-wise, which was Black Monday, 1987. And now, and now it's happening again. But I would, I would, I would be prepared, is what I'm saying. That I believe a great shaking. I'll say, regardless of time, a great shaking is coming to America and the world. 
And I believe this shaking will affect the financial realm, will affect the, the economic realm, and will be greater than any of those realms. And there may even be an event that triggers it, as with 9-11. And, and it's interesting because September 13th, this year, is not on the stock market day. It's, it's, a, it's a Sunday. So we would seem to point, if there is something to happen, then that it would be something even beyond the economic realm. But regardless of whether it happens at this at this wipeout time of the Shemitah or happens after that, I believe very strongly, and this is the warnings of the harbingers, which are still continuing to come true, and the Shemitah, that a great shaking is coming and we need to be ready. Jonathan, uh, where can people get, again, um, more information on the mystery of the Shemitah and the harbinger? The, the mystery of the Shemitah is available everywhere and the harbinger, everywhere where books are. They can get online from Amazon or, or offline, you know, Walmart, everywhere. Everywhere there are books, online or off, you can get the harbinger and the mystery of the Shemitah. Jonathan, uh, always a pleasure and uh, a very blessed Merry Christmas to you. You too, Richard. God bless you. Jonathan Kahn. My website, richardserrett.com. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth. <laughs>